All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. Really is about the patient narrative, about slowing it down so we can hear and listen. I think we've lost the ability to listen in mm -hmm. favor of what we think is the protocol for the fix. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 218 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm your co-host along with my sister, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hello, I'm your other co-host tuning in from New York City today. Hello, fall and hello, Renee in Las Vegas. Welcome and happy Halloween almost tomorrow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> guess, guess how many degrees it is outside? <laughs> 40. <gasps> You're so close. 40. Ooh. Well, it was 43 this morning. Yeah. Nice Winter's trick coming. Or, nice trick-or-treat weather. Love mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. We have an awesome guest coming on for you guys today. This is someone that we have both been following for, we can't remember how long, we want to say at least a decade. Forever. Andrea, forever. Andrea Nakayama, she is an OG in the field of functional medicine and functional nutrition. She's created some amazing programs and has a great systems approach to overcoming like chronic illnesses and things. Yeah. Really what you need to know, this episode is for anyone that is stuck in a cycle of chronic illness. If you are the type of person that's always seeking answers, yet not, none of it actually sticks, or you never feel that resolution, or if you just feel really overwhelmed with opinions in the space, you've seen all these experts, yet feel more confused than ever, which I think is a common sentiment in our space. But she really, really has filled the gap between conventional medicine and the consumer client patient. It's all that in, in between space where we feel like there's a lot of noise and confusion. This is her absolute expertise. And she's been doing it a very long time, as Renee said. I can't even remember. I'm like, oh, I know this name from way, way, way back. She's amazing. Yes. All right. So Andrea Nakayama is a functional medicine nutritionist and educator who has led thousands of clients and now teaches even more coaches and clinicians around the world in a revolution reclaiming ownership of both, of both their own and their clients' health. As the host of the 15-Minute Matrix podcast and the founder and former CEO of Functional Nutrition Alliance, Andrea draws on systems biology, mental models, root cause methodology, and the therapeutic partnership to offer long-awaited solutions for the rapidly growing chronic illness epidemic. 
After losing her young husband to a brain tumor in 2002, she discovered a passion for using food as personalized medicine and is now regularly consulted as the nutrition expert for the toughest clinical cases in the practices of many world-renowned doctors. She trains nearly 4,000 practitioners each year in her methodologies so that they too can become the last stop for their clients and patients, as well as a trusted referral partner for doctors in their area. As we said, she's doing amazing work. I will say my biggest takeaway from today's episode was the importance of qualitative data over quantitative data. As biohackers, we love the quantitative stuff. I think it's great too, but we can't overlook the importance of the qualitative and tuning into what your body is trying to tell you on a daily basis. Mm, Yeah, such a huge missing opportunity. And I feel like her special skill is really giving power back to the client, especially in this kind of overload of information era that we're in where there's just so much like the the average consumer patient is so educated, yet we feel more confused as ever. She is giving the power back to the client and really empowering you to be able to listen to your own body's internal feedback or what we talk about on the show is intuition rather than being on this endless quest for your mystery answers or getting caught up in what she calls pop health information. She has really clear systems and approaches, which we really appreciate having that that structure to really get to your ultimate health goals. So, oh, we're so excited to bring her to you. Let's drop in. Andrea, welcome to the Biohacker Babes. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are truly honored to have you on our podcast. As we were saying before we hit record, we were like, we've been following your work for as long as we've been in the nutrition world. So uh, you really are an OG. And today we're going to dive pretty deep, I think, into functional medicine, more about functional nutrition. You really have such an interesting perspective on everything, and we're excited to bring this to our audience. And I think you also have a great approach to help people that have been seeking answers for these chronic illnesses. And I can speak personally that I dealt with that being diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome when I was 24. Traditional medicine didn't have any answers that kind of led me to look at all the other places. And you have really created a great solution to help people find the answers faster. So we're so grateful for all of that. And I think just to kick it off for anyone that maybe doesn't know your backstory and how you got into this, if you can share your inspiration to what uh, got you into all of this, that would be great. Yeah, thank you for asking and that reflection as well. So for me, working with people and training others who work with people who have chronic conditions is really my passion. And those chronic conditions may be those that fly under the surface, like chronic fatigue or Lyme disease or autoimmune conditions, but also those like my late husband had, which were cancer. He had a very aggressive brain tumor. So he was diagnosed in April of 2000 when I I was just seven weeks pregnant with our first and only Mm -hmm. child. And so that really thrust us into the medical system in a way that we had never experienced before to that point. You know, we had dealt with little things, maybe a sinus infection or a broken limb, but being in the system really woke me up to some of the gaps that exist in the system lots of things it does brilliantly and beautifully. And I don't want to put those down, but there are some pieces that are really drastically missing. And we experienced those during the two and a half years that he lived. He was given about six months to live at the time of his diagnosis. And we were able to maintain his life for long enough to even make an impression on our son, who was 19 months when his son died and is 22 years old now. So this is a long time ago. But that really, really woke me up. Like I said, I think of it as my boot camp in terms of what's missing, what needs to be addressed. And then it became my mission, my passion, my purpose to help fill those gaps in healthcare that uh, most people who have chronic illnesses are not seeing or receiving. Mm. Thank you. So very sorry for that experience. Thank you. But also so grateful that you had that experience so that you can share your gifts and wisdom with everyone else. Yes. Thank you. I, I feel like it, um, 
it's in his name in a way, you know, all the successes that I've had and um, all the people whose lives I touch, you know, they know his name, Isamu, you know, they know what he brought to uh, the work that I do and the work that we all do. And I think it was a poignant insight to see some of those really extreme gaps that exist. Hmm. So where would you start in highlighting those gaps? If we really zoom out, what are kind of the big picture things, maybe from a healthcare provider standpoint, or just from the average consumer patient client things that we can Yeah, do? that's a great question, Lauren. I think that even when we're turning to doctors and physicians who know that diet and lifestyle modification matter, they don't know what it means for that individual. So a gap exists right there, as you both know, as nutrition professionals, between the person stuck in the weeds, trying to follow every theory that's out there, and the doctor who says, yes, yes to diet and lifestyle modification, it matters. Like many functional or integrative or holistic or naturopathic doctors may say yes, but I like to say nutrition is not a handout. It needs to be very individualized and there's a gap right there. There's an information gap in understanding what does this mean for the individual and what does it mean for us as providers. There is a gap in time right? We might see our doctors depending on what's going on once a year, twice a year, maybe four times a year, but there's a whole lot of time, a whole lot of minutes that are uh, could be addressed by us as individuals when we're not playing doctor. And I think that where our system has gone with the information overload and the noise is that a lot of patients are playing practitioner with what they're trying to do, whether that's with a dietary theory that they're following, a test that they're ordering, a supplement that they're bringing on. It's not with the understanding of what they're actually doing to their body when they do that. And so there's a, those are a number of gaps that I've identified that I think really can lead to more harm than good in a lot of situations that are chronic. Mm. Mm. That's the distinction. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective, especially when you look at the world of biohacking, where we are promoting that people take responsibility for their own body, tune into what they need, be willing to experiment. But you're right, but that could go the other direction where they don't really know what they're doing. They're just grasping onto any diet supplement biohack, and it could be doing more harm than good potentially. So I think we should circle back on the topic of biohacking. I think there's some some things we can dive into. But I think yeah. um, something that you said before we hit record as well, that both Lauren and I were like, oh, what is that? Narrative medicine. We've both never heard this term before. If you can share with our audience, I'm guessing most people in our audience have not heard that either. So if you can share what that is. Yeah. um, And yeah, I would love to talk about biohacking because I think it does depend on the who. So we'll circle back to that for sure. And I think a lot of our ideas align. So narrative medicine is a newer field of study. As I was telling you, it's a bit academic at this point. It's getting into a more practical realm. It stems out of some academics at Columbia University, and it's cross-disciplinary in that there are artists, anthropologists, doctors, there's people looking at like, wait a minute, we lost the human-centeredness in the medical field? Where is the human in this? And does the human have a story that from a qualitative perspective helps us to understand their care even more? So, you know, I like to think from a science perspective about omics and precision medicine and epigenetics, these fields that help us to understand that everything in the body is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. And if we think about precision medicine, and the places that it's used more now are in in oncology, and in pharmacology, especially in relation to mental health issues, it's helping us understand that everybody's going to react differently to different agents, right, that might be at a cellular level that might be at a genetic level for whatever reason. Narrative medicine for me takes that to a step deeper into the actual story. Who are you? 
what got you here? How do I understand that more fully? How do I really listen for the clues instead of bypassing what you're sharing with me in favor of what I think is the fix, which is about me, not about them? How do I, as a clinician, and how do I train other clinicians to stop and really listen carefully? Because there's a lot of information when we do listen that helps us with those next steps. And I don't, I think we've lost the ability to listen in favor of what we think is the protocol for the fix. So that's why it's of interest to me, but it really is about the patient narrative, about slowing it down so we can hear and listen. We love this. I I love this so much. I think that is the big missing piece in health in general, but also in biohacking when we're experimenting. We look outside of ourselves for the answer, but our body can give us the answer. But most people are not willing to slow down and listen. I'm curious with narrative medicine, is it really just about kind of getting quiet and listening to your intuition? Is there any digging into uh, past traumas, even like transgenerational stories? Like how far back do we go? Yeah. So in narrative medicine, it's really at this point a practice for clinicians. So I'm in a program with you know, doctors and people who are thinking and have usually recognized through their own experience Let's say, for instance, there's one doctor that's in my cohort in my class right now who is a pediatric cardiologist who had Crohn's disease, right? So he had to see through his own experience that there was something missing. And it is a practice of us as clinicians learning to listen to all of those pieces. As you both likely know, in functional medicine, we call that story the ATMs, the antecedents, the triggers, and the mediators. Those triggers could be adverse childhood experiences. They could be adverse adult experiences like I had, right? So those are all a piece of the story that we understand. And the mediators are what I hear you talking about, Lauren, those ATMs. The mediators are what makes us feel better and what makes us feel worse. And if we can't slow down and listen as providers, but also as patients, we bypass the opportunity to tune in, as you said so beautifully, instead of tuning out. When we're constantly chasing, we're stuck in a sympathetic dominant state and we're tuned out instead of in. And so For me, it's a duality between the practice as a clinician and what I train other clinicians and the practice that I would love more patients to have, which is how do I slow down? How do I embrace the scientific method? Maybe do one thing at a time. What happens when I do so many things at once and it doesn't work and then I'm fed up and I'm over it versus I'm increasing my vitamin C this week, as opposed to I'm starting this autoimmune paleo, I'm adding these three supplements, I'm going to go to the gym every day, like it's too much at once, we have no clue. And then we either abandon ship, or we feel like failures. And it is that tuning in that you referenced, Lauren. Mm. So much gold in everything you just said there, and especially with the sympathetic state i've seen so often that people with some kind of chronic illness you're right they jump they jump on this ship of i'm going to do everything but i think they are in that sympathetic state of i'm going to change this change that take that do this but it's like yeah how do we get people to step back and slow down like how do we do that for people yeah it's so interesting i was just talking to my publisher this morning and she has chronic illness and she was talking about like the pop information about autoimmunity right like how do we counteract some of the pop information that's out there where it's like you know in this one moment it might be like all autoimmunity stems from stomach acid issues right like No, it doesn't. It's never going to be one thing and it's never going to be easy. And when we're constantly seeking, we do not allow for the deeper state of healing or that deeper sense of awareness. In, you know, we joke that I was OG and I kind of tease my younger colleagues now that like, I'm, I'm like the, you know, the, the mother of functional nutrition, right? The grandmother, whatever, not a grandmother yet, but like, don't want to be anytime soon. But like that, just where did that 
stem from and what are we doing now in time and space? And one of the things I used to joke about when there were a lot of telesummits was that there was what I was calling the epigenetics of the online telesummit, meaning a lot of my colleagues would come on these telesummits and talk about a symptom and a resolution through a supplement or a diet. And that was the start that I witnessed of people just adopting these supplements or self-diagnosing and self-prescribing, which when it's not right for you, will have epigenetic impacts on your body, meaning that is how you are influencing positively or negatively your genetic makeup and We don't know if it's positive just because somebody's online telling us. So I made a pact with myself never to make a specific recommendation about a diet or a supplement in any public setting because I am a stand for bioindividuality and that narrative and that story and what's the right pacing and the right dose and the right experience for each individual, as opposed to giving some broad stroke recommendation to all. Mm. So appreciative of that. Yeah, we were actually, our big takeaway or takeaway or disappointment of the most recent biohacking conference was the number of speakers that were doing, giving blanket statements. This diet works, this one doesn't. This IV works, this doesn't. Like, Lauren and I were just like grasping onto our chairs, like, are they seriously saying this? Like biohacking, it's bio-individual. How can we be sharing this? So thank you. Especially one of the greatest books in our space, Roger J. Williams' Biochemical Individuality is not new. I think he wrote it in the 50s, maybe even before that. Like, why has that not been the trend? And why is there not a tipping point in that direction? It really is just kind of bogus. Yes. But- it's, you know, the magic pills that really sell. It's the shock value. This works for me that are like dopamine exactly. addicted, instant gratification brains naturally prefer. <laughs> so you've created exactly. some really amazing systems to slow that down and create structure. Can you talk to me? Well, you have many, so I don't even know where do we begin. What is, what's the root? Where do we begin with the, your systems? Healing. Yeah, I mean, I have three systems that I'm constantly teaching. And you usually need in systems thinking, and I'm a systems thinker, and functional medicine should be based on systems thinking, you know, systems biology, but also systems thinking. I like to use three because one is never enough. So we're kind of working between them. So for me, it's the functional nutrition matrix, which does highlight those ATMs, the story, but also what I call the soup all that's going on inside that systems biology and the skill, where are you right now? And what's that snapshot? But when I think about root cause, which is a big term these days, and I like to think of it as root causes, because there is never one root, I like to think about the difference between the branch and the roots. So the branch or the branches are all signs, symptoms, and diagnoses. And I think it's important that we even as patients understand the difference between a sign and a symptom. A symptom is something we can feel, but that can't be measured. And a sign is something that can be measured. So when we go into the doctor, an empowering piece is to separate those because we can't talk about our fatigue in the same sentence as our rash or our temperature, because your symptoms can not be detected if you're unconscious, whereas your signs can. And so I think sometimes we don't even realize the bridge we have to build. So all signs, symptoms, and diagnoses, with that tangent aside, are branches. They're manifestations of something that's going on deeper. I think one of the mistakes we make is that we're looking for the roots in a test or in a microbial imbalance, or in a micronutrient imbalance, the roots are broader than that and deeper. So for me, the roots of any chronic condition are our genes, our digestion, and our inflammation. Those are the three roots. And then around each of those roots, I have a circle of influence, which is the soil or the terrain. 
So around our genes, we can't change our genes, but we can influence the expression of our genes. So we look at food, movement, environment, and mindset. Those are all four things that are going to influence. Those are the epigenetic factors that influence our genes. And we often bypass those in favor of looking at a gene, at a genomic piece of information that doesn't tell us anything. It just tells us what's possible, not what's probable or what is. And again, that's a really good example of where we're making mistakes with testing. With digestion, we have to think about where food meets physiology. And I know you talk about this a lot on the podcast. If digestion isn't optimized, it doesn't matter what we're eating because we could be eating, quote unquote, the best diet ever. And I don't like to think of it as healthy or clean. I think those words can be really damaging for some people. It's really about how do we get what we need out of our food? And there, so there's a circle of influence there, mechanical, chemical, structural, microbial. And then the root of inflammation is really broad, clear, calm, enhance, and modulate. And we might need to clear a negative thought pattern. We might need to clear a microbial infection. We might need to clear an environmental toxin. But we also need to calm the nervous system, the immune system, the entire inflammatory reactive hormonal system. And that's where we start to think wider and deeper as opposed to playing target practice with a branch. Mm -hmm. Hey, biohackers, are you tired of the daily stressors that seem to never end? Feeling overwhelmed, anxious, or just unable to relax? Maybe all of the above? Well, we do have something very special to share with you today. We are really excited to introduce TroCalm by our friends over at Transcriptions. It is an all-natural solution for reducing anxiety, improving sleep, and supporting complete relaxation. TroCalm is designed specifically to help you find your inner zen and reclaim your peace of mind. TroCalm contains a powerful blend of four key ingredients, kava, B3 GABA, CBD, and CBG, all of which enhance natural GABA production, our calming neurotransmitter in the brain, and so much more. Let's break it down. So kava. Kava is derived from the roots of the kava plant. It is a natural ingredient that has been used for centuries in the South Pacific to promote relaxation and reduce stress. You may remember my story about drinking kava for the first time in Hawaii and feeling Oh, so relaxed. Trocalm brings you the calming benefits of kava in a convenient and safe form. Now, B3 GABA. Taking GABA supplements don't usually work because most forms can't cross the blood-brain barrier. But with vitamin B3 attached to the GABA, it can cross into the brain and efficiently increase GABA levels to help calm your mind and reduce that constant feeling of tension. Lastly, CBD and CBG. These cannabinoids increase our feelings of bliss, protect our brain, decrease pain, and decrease anxiety by reacting with our natural endocannabinoid system without the psychoactive effects. Whether you're dealing with the demands of a busy lifestyle, struggling to get a good night's sleep, or simply seeking a moment of tranquility in this fast-paced world, Trocalm is here to help. You may be wondering, how do we personally use it? Well, what I really love is that I can split up my dose depending on the occasion. I may only take a quarter of a trochee to ease some anxiety during the day, one half trochee for a long cross-country flight to stay relaxed and comfortable, or I may take an entire trochee before bed when I want to get the best quality sleep possible. It is really up to you how it can best fit into your daily lifestyle. If this has piqued your interest, we have an exclusive offer just for you. When you visit transcriptions.com and use the promo code biohackerbabes, you'll receive 10% off your order. Again, that's transcriptions.com, discount code biohackerbabes for 10% off. And before you forget, no, you won't get a blue tongue. This trochee is actually orange. So you may get a slight orange tint, but nothing more than you would get from an orange flavored candy. But you don't eat candy, right? Just trochees. All right, biohackers, to your peace and calmness. So where where would we start with any any lab testing? Would you do a genetic panel just to see what's happening there? 
or just no, I start with even... serum labs. Serum so labs. For me, okay. I start with serum, a broad array of serum labs, because I feel like if we don't have that foundation, we're building on quicksand. I just met with somebody and I don't see my team sees clients. I don't see clients anymore, but I always keep a few people in my circle so that I'm looking at things. And she's working with the top functional doctors in New York City. And the things they're bypassing to me are alarming. If your red blood cells, if your iron, if your sodium potassium are not functionally sound, you can be doing all those other tests, but you're literally building on quicksand. And so for me, it's really amazing what we could be fortifying out of the labs that our regular doctor will order. Granted, mine might be a more extensive panel than they want to offer if they're a conventional doc, but there's so much information in serum labs and there's so much to do before we have to spend the money on any of those functional labs. And Renee, I know you love Ruscio's work too, Dr. Ruscio, and he and I are very aligned in this thinking of like, why are we, if there's something to do, why are we getting that testing? That's expensive. It's going to tell us we need to go back anyway. And so for me, it's really about do testing when you need more information and not before that. That's I great. guess that's that gets into the narratives. Like some people have this internal narrative. They want to keep seeking a problem when it exactly. could be simpler. So that's an issue in itself. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with the serum testing. And I see all these direct-to-consumer lab tests, which I'm assuming you have an opinion about, but we're, we've given so much power to the consumer, but we're not even giving them the right markers. So then it's like a flood of information to what end. Exactly. Exactly. And so much, I, I love testing too. I love to see microbiome and a Dutch test, you know, for hormones. I love it all, but only when I need it. If I feel yeah. like there's enough for me to do with what is right in front of me, and there's enough that I want to see and measure over time, because I like to track to see what's happening with the serum labs, then that's where I want to stay because I'm fine tuning at a much grosser level, which leads to more permission in our diet and lifestyle, when we get narrower and narrower and narrower and base our diet and lifestyle on those specialty tests, we do start to tell ourselves a story. And this is the downside of narrative, right? Like you're referring to Lauren, like we could have a narrative where we're telling ourselves we're sick, or we don't have the answer, or maybe we'll find it if we know we have that infection, which is a never ending because none of those answers give you, none of those tests give you the answer. They're not meant to be protocol based. Oh, you have this, do that. It's mm -hmm. giving you pointed information that could shift based on a broader array. Let me just give an example because sometimes I feel like I'm speaking in tongues and it's like I'm speaking something really simple, but it's with the complex understanding. So I mean, let's behaviors, say we do I'm assuming. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we have like a microbiome test that tells us that we don't have the right balance of pathogenic and commensal, good and bad bacterias, we could be looking at diet before we even get there and looking at what are the foods that feed the microbiome? How do I work on prebiotic foods and short chain fatty acids and fiber and look at polyphenol rich foods and, uh, you know, our resistant starches in addition to probiotic foods, what do we do? And where would we be doing that anyway, based on what that person is experiencing with their signs, symptoms and diagnoses? And then why do that testing now to tell me I have to do the same thing? Yeah. Or maybe just eliminating a food that you may be sensitive to rather than going exactly. buying a 500 billion CFU probiotic that is not specific to your gut. Exactly. Exactly. And knowing that I'm sensitive to a food by how I feel versus what a marker on a test tells me as well. Like that tuning in, those go back to that idea of our mediators is where we are the most empowered. And I think you said it, Lauren, we're giving all our power away. Like 
we are the most empowered when the person I was talking to this morning, she said, I haven't had wine in six months and I had a glass of wine last night and now my joint pain is up today. And I'm like, good, good realization. That's yours. That's not based on a piece of paper or a scale or a number. You own that, which means you're going to actually understand risk and reward really differently than if it's on a piece of paper that is telling me what I have to do. So yeah. Hey, biohackers, are you ready to supercharge your wellness routine? Well, let me please introduce you to Coast, the next level wellness drink built for your modern busy life. You've probably seen Renee and I post our Coast on social media anytime we are traveling or after a night of socializing. It's just one of those essentials that's always in our go bag. But what is it? Coast is designed to improve our recovery, enhance athletic performance, and optimize our cellular health. Life stressors like work, exercise, late nights, jet lag, both travel and social, and even an occasional cocktail can leave our bodies seriously overworked. This is where Coast comes in to save the day. It's available in two convenient forms, a quick and easy drinkable shot or a powdered packet you can mix easily into your water. Really, it's so perfect when you're on the go. Now, this isn't your basic lemon and ginger shot that you can get at your organic market. Coast is the first advanced wellness shot that we know of created by a cancer researcher using science-backed literature to keep us healthy and feeling amazing. It's the only all-in-one drink that combines cutting-edge ingredients like an NAD precursor, glutathione boosters, along with other essentials like antioxidants and vitamins. It is the ultimate solution to flush out toxins, replenish lost nutrients, and repair our cells. Speaking of NAD, it is a crucial component for keeping our cells healthy and functioning optimally. But as we age or when our body is metabolizing alcohol and stress, NAD levels get depleted rapidly. So Coast steps in to save the day and boosts our production of NAD so we can maintain peak performance and homeostasis by supporting two different detoxification pathways. Really, it's just making it so efficient to get us back on track. The best part? Coast has zero sugar and never includes artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. Okay, are you ready to experience the difference with Coast? If so, use code BIOHACKERBABES for an exclusive 15% discount at coastdrink.com. That is code BIOHACKERBABES. Do not miss out on this chance to transform your wellness routine, especially as we head into the holidays with more travel, stress, alcohol, all the things. Coast is here to save the day. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. And and I've I've had so many clients over the years that have actually said, I hope the labs show me something. Cause they they like you said, they they want to see that because they're I maybe not willing to do the experiment of six months without wine and then adding it in. It's like they're like, just give me something to tell me I shouldn't do what I know I shouldn't do. <laughs> you know, That's I, true. Yeah. Which is yeah, maybe valuable, true. right? Some people need something measurable. Totally. Very yeah, okay. Yes. That could <laughs> yeah. be valuable. Yes. Yeah. I think we only get to the point where we're willing to do the six months, unfortunately, when we've been down the path of trying and trying and trying and trying. And, you know, this is what my book is about. And it's a hard message. So it's constantly like this, you know, who wants to hear that managing your chronic health condition is work? Sorry. (laughs) It's not the sexiest message around. But it's a good one. It's a good one. I think um, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Gabrielle Le- Lyon in her new book said the best biohack of all time is hard work. I was like, oh, yes. shoot. Oh. <laughs> oh. So yes, love yeah. the hard message. Yeah. yeah. And I'm Important. curious, I, I know you have dealt with uh, Hashimoto's. Have you found that, does it take more work over time as you get older or no, you know all the things and it's actually an easy part of your lifestyle now? Yeah, it's so like a non-issue for me at this point, which doesn't mean, you know, the hormones aren't changing and that other things become like, hmm, how do I shift that or shift this or what's going on there? But it really is recognizing um, that change is inevitable 
And we, how do we live with it? How do we change with it? Because we're not going to reverse certain things, right? Like, so my Hashimoto's feels completely knock on all sorts of wood, managed and manageable and not even an issue for me. Like it's, I'm not tempted by things that aren't good for me. The risk reward is very clear to me, which doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means that I know my wiggle room, right? Which I think Mm -hmm. is true for all of us. And then hormones and aging. I mean, there's so much like menopause hacking out there these days. And I'm like, I'm sorry, your body does not produce eggs anymore. (laughs) Let's just be real. And as a result, the hormones are going to change. So what does that really mean? We can't bioidentical hormone our way out of menopause. Like you can't, it's not going to do the same thing, but what then does it mean to own that phase of life? So I think to answer your question, Renee, like the Hashimoto's, the autoimmunity feels manageable to me. And there are other things that come up that are like, okay, now what's this? And how do you recognize the realities that come up with each of those changes in life? There's never a destination, I guess, is the point of health. Oh, which could sound really scary to some people, but I love all these themes that are weaving together, like change is inevitable, our bodies are dynamic, and the narrative that changes and what that means as a woman. How how do you encourage people to just be grateful for the present opportunity, knowing that there will always be challenges? Yeah, I think it is coming out of that quick fix thinking. So, you know, we were talking earlier about gaps and traps. And I do think of the quick fix as a trap that we get into as practitioners and as patients. We think it exists. We think if we see that information in that test, it's going to tell us exactly what to do. It doesn't. And I think it's that it's living in that unknown a little bit. I mean, if we look at the world, if we look at life, it is dynamic. It is a paradox. It is good and bad. It is holding all of these complexities. And I feel like we can do that in so many aspects of our lives. And yet when it comes to health, we're looking for a one size fits all, even when we tell ourselves we're not. And so Mm -hmm. I always like to say when it comes to our genes, meaning the ones we wear, not the ones we have or our (laughs) pillowcases or our beds or how hot or cold we want the room at night, our Spotify accounts, we embrace personalization, our bras in all of these ways. And yet when it comes to health, there seems to be a barrier to entry to this idea of individuality. We own it in so many other places, but in health, we do not embrace individuality as a culture. Not Perhaps me. because there's a lot Not of practitioners and influencers that are still pushing exactly. this yeah. shock value stuff. That's good point. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and and we've even said like an interesting biomarker that we like to track is HRV, heart rate variability. And it's like no matter how many times you tell biohackers, don't compare your HRV to someone else, they still do. It's like, we still want to like be able to compare to others and match what others are doing. But yeah. And, and also something you said that reminds me like of this ebb and flow. I mean, there's an ebb and flow in life, but especially in health. And I was actually with our, our mom and dad over the weekend and shout out mom and dad. I know you're listening their health. I think it's just amazing what they do at their age, but something that our mom said that stood out to me, she says she has always naturally kind of done this like feast famine kind of cycling, like really clean, but maybe she goes out to dinner and she eats a little bit more and like gets back on track. And it's like, she's never felt like she had to like restrict and plan what she does. She just kind of ebbs and flows with that. And I think there's such beauty with that in so many aspects of health, even like our, uh, what is it called? Social capital. Uh, I love this term of like, maybe you get a little bit less sleep, but you're getting that extra social connection, which is boosting all these amazing things, right? But then we, maybe we cut back on the social and we catch up on our sleep, right? It's like, I don't know, something magical. Trusting the balance. 
the balance. Yeah, yeah. I think of that as risk reward, right? Like in every yeah. moment. So maybe we're risking sleep to stay up with our siblings and have long, late conversations one night, right? But the reward is something that gives you a lot of payback for that risk. But maybe the risk reward ratio shifts if you're away together for two weeks and you're doing that every single night, right? So it's this constant dance that we're in that it sounds like your mom has beautifully figured out where she can have the reward of what she might think of as indulgences and then come back to, well, that doesn't feel so rewarding in these other ways anymore. So I place my reward elsewhere. And that's living. And I worry that we've stopped living when we're constantly questing and seeking Mm. some fix that isn't necessarily going to get us where we want to be. Um, And, you know, it doesn't mean like, I don't eat certain things. I just don't eat them. I just, that's not, for me, that's too high of a risk. So it doesn't mean it's like feast or famine in everything, but feast or famine is a risk reward in other ways for me. Yeah. Do you know what one of the most frustrating things about sleep is for me is when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't shut your brain off and you're thinking about all the things you need to do the next day, or maybe the things that you did the day before that you would have done differently. Oh, I hate when this happens. And I'm guessing it's probably happened to you a couple times, maybe every night. Well, let me tell you my new secret to deal with this. You have probably heard of magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers and how it's great for sleep and promoting calmness and relaxation. What I found out is that the brains behind Magnesium Breakthrough have taken it to the next level with a product specifically designed for sleep. It's called Sleep Breakthrough, and I think this could be a game changer in the field. So Sleep Breakthrough is a delicious pre-bed drink that combines the power of magnesium with other natural ingredients like valerian root to help us fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up feeling refreshed. Any night that I take sleep breakthrough, I sleep through the night, no crazy monkey brain in the middle of the night, and I'm ready to tackle the next day. So I highly recommend giving sleep breakthrough a try. Trust me. Go ahead, visit sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. Oh, and guess what? You get a discount. So if you use promo code biohackerbabes10 at checkout, you'll get a discount and they might throw in a little surprise gift for you guys. One more reason why we love shopping at Bioptimizers. So go ahead. Head over to sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes to get your sleep breakthrough and start sleeping great tonight. So for someone where that trust and balance is not just an inherent skill or gift, how do you approach that? Uh, maybe it's it's looking at the balance of the qualitative to quantitative, but for someone that is so distrusting of their own biofeedback, maybe it's someone that says to you, just tell me what to eat. Yes. Where do you, do you go towards your tiers of healing? Maybe it's, this that's is not a system, really I guess, where do you question. start? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I do try to presence what's on the matrix, what's true now, those three roots we were talking about, and the three tiers is that third system where I'm looking at non-negotiables, tier one are non-negotiables, tier two is deficiency to sufficiency, tier three is dismantling the dysfunction. Tier three is where we're often jumping. We often want to jump to what's wrong, fix it. I'm Mm. saying that if we address tier one, tier two, we do address tier three. We're just getting there in a more sustainable and indirect way, like a big hug instead of a target, right? And to a biohacker, when I say deficiency to sufficiency, that might mean testing, but that's not what I'm talking about in terms of like micronutrient testing. I believe we can look at deficiencies again more broadly. So are there deficiencies in social interaction or love or hydrochloric acid or vitamin D or insulin, like baseline things that we might think of deficiency to sufficiency. And of course, on the other side of that is toxicity. So is there a spectrum we might look at for you? If I back that up even further and go to the non-negotiables, For me, the non-negotiable trifecta is always sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance. Of course, each of us are going to have our own non-negotiables as well. 
I need to be engaged in certain kinds of podcasts and listening and intellectual engagement. You are going to have non-negotiables that are true for you and what you like to do socially and physically. Our physical non-negotiables may be different, but it's knowing to start with, what do you know makes you feel better? What makes you feel worse? Do we know anything there? Let's start there. Those become part of our non-negotiables. I'm helping you see you actually know more of yourself than you think because you know the answer to some of those things. And then let's talk about sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance. And when I talk about blood sugar balance, you don't need to wear a CGM. One day you might. I'm not, I love a CGM. But how do we just think about fat fiber protein at every meal? Let's play around. Let's look at breakfast. Fat fiber protein. How do you feel when you eat this breakfast or this breakfast or this breakfast? Repeat. I'm just bringing people into a slower method of self awareness as opposed to just tell me what to eat. I might go, okay, what do you eat for breakfast now? Oh, nothing. Let's try these three things. And how do you feel? Day one, day two, day three. Any difference? What'd you notice? So how do we train self-awareness becomes the question and the self-awareness has to come from experience and reflection, which is the narrative experience. Yeah. So is this something that people should be like pen to paper journaling or doing like certain questionnaires to track? How do they get started with that? I'm a fan of all sorts of tracking. And today there are many more trackers available. I mean, the one I joke about is like when I was trying to get pregnant, I created a little Excel spreadsheet. You know, this is 23 years ago that I had like pinned to my bathroom wall with tracking my temperature. Now that's all in like apps. So I love what I call food, mood, poop tracking. So people tracking mood, I put in quotation marks. So what'd you eat? I don't care about amounts. Just what was it? What were your signs and symptoms? So not just your mental mood, but your body's mood, tired, pain, anything falls under mood. And what was your poop? And can you track that without trying to analyze it? Just Mm. collect information that said, I've done a lot of work now in the last three years with people who cannot track their food, because that's a very triggering experience, whether they have histories with disordered eating, trans folks, people who don't have choices around what they eat, people who tracked too much in their life, and then they're anti-tracking. And so how do we just look at your symptoms through the day and say, are there times of day that I have symptoms that I can look at? And is there some backwards information I can gather from there? So food, mood, poop tracking, I like people to do a sleep tracker. Again, this is a questionnaire, because people will say, I have a hard time sleeping. And I'm like, what does that mean? Do you have a hard time falling asleep? What time do you go to sleep? What's your bedroom like? Are you waking up in the middle of the night? What happens when you wake up in the middle? You know, all of the questions that help us say, where do we go from here? Because that can give us more information when we go a level deeper. And uh, supplement trackers, lab tracking, even if you don't know what those labs mean, how do they look over time? How do we show up as better patients with our expertise, which is in ourselves, versus the expertise we think we're supposed to have, which is somebody else's expertise. So tracking helps us to say, here's what I've noticed to be true for me. Practitioner, Renee, Lauren, what can I, what can you help me see with this information I've gathered about myself? Not gathered based on an Instagram influencer, but I've gathered about my own self. And so for me, anything you can track, your cycle, your sleep, your water, that is where we start to go, oh, interesting. I tracked my food and I'm not eating any red ever. Like get your markers out, just have a little fun. And there's so much information there that we're bypassing in favor of that external 
information or validation, which doesn't actually tell us about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. How often... Go ahead, Renee. I'm still I'm still thinking about how to phrase this. Okay. Just a story about so when I was 10, I had a lot of digestive issues and my parents took me to all the doctors. They're trying to figure out, you know, endoscopy, colonoscopy, food allergy testing, all the things. And then it may have been a dietitian that actually said, keep a journal. Every time you get stomach pain, you know, do a big circle around that and see. And it wasn't about about quantity. It was just write what you ate. Eggs, cheese. All the stomach pain, it was around driving to school, going to dance class. It was all um, emotional triggers, I guess, anxiety triggered. Yes. Food. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't what I was eating. Yes. But anyway, I think that was, gosh, that was 27 years ago. But yes, I love that. And that's what a timeline helps us to see in functional medicine and functional nutrition, where we can correlate what was happening in your life and what was happening in your body. And we keep both of that information. We do that through motivational interviewing as I teach it so that we get an intake and then the practitioner has a motivational interviewing session with the individual where we're starting to ask like, wait, wait a minute, what was going on in your life here when you started to have this unexplained weight gain? Oh, wait, your child was attacked by a dog? Tell me about that, right? We start to see again, going back to that narrative, how do we help people make correlations between what's happened in their life and what's going on in their body. And, you know, my trite, silly way of saying this is that like, how do we get to the oh me versus the why me? Because we're living in a why me state. And when we start to correlate, like, how is that connected? Why was my divorce related to that anxiety and stomach pain? Like what was happening? And then we bring in that deeper awareness. So it won't come like that, like, you know, flick of the fingers, but it is a process and a journey that helps us then to really take care, take that care of ourselves instead of giving it away. Yeah, And it's such a lasting tool that you don't have to handhold forever, which I mean, you're giving them their power back, as you said, and so that they can continue to navigate life as in, in all of its dynamic nature. I think that's, that's the best kind of practitioner, I think. Yes. So I'm still unclear about how to ask this question, but um, really determining like who needs to do more of the quantitative tracking versus the qualitative. Cause I've had people, clients that come in and they're like, I don't want to do any of the data. I'm afraid of it. But then if I can get them in, it opens up this whole world. And then there's people on the other side where they're just, they just want to do all the quantitative stuff and don't want to do the silent reflection. Mm-hmm. How do we get people to cross to the other side? I, I'm that. curious, maybe there's something in the motivational interviewing that makes it very clear what part of the puzzle they need. Yeah, I think that's a great question that brings us kind of full circle back to the biohacking, right? Like biohacking is a great opportunity for people who are looking to optimize, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're optimizing, that's a great place to say, like, I feel good. I want to feel better. I'm thinking of longevity and I want to like do a little of this or that or what am I supporting? And then they're likely already tuned in to some extent. I mean, I think of my boyfriend who's very fit, works out hard every day. He's always talking to me about like the science of, you know, this is what's going on with this. And this is how I can manage my blood sugar because the gluconeogenesis, and he's not a scientist, he's an engineer, right? So I'm like, Okay. okay, whatever, right? Like he's not thick, knock on wood, right? So I think that is the difference when the time for the real qualitative work is unfortunately often when people have hit an edge, either they hit an edge in a diagnosis that is seen by medicine as something that's scary, potentially terminal, or they've hit an edge in terms of having something that is underseen and, you know, not seen or uh, often gaslit 
by our medical situation and they're striving and striving and can't find answers. I think it's unfortunate because I think there is a true benefit in doing this work no matter how we're feeling, but it's just not culturally what we want or think we need because nobody's spending time there. Um, You know, just a good analogy in some of the qualitative research I'm doing right now in narrative medicine, I'm interviewing young adults who had severe allergies to a food as a child and how they live their life now. So those 20 something year olds live their life with a sense of fallibility because the world is filled with lions and tigers and bears, because you can be exposed to dairy or peanuts anywhere. And you've learned that that's something to be scared of. And you've actually experienced the fear. That young adult lives a very different life than a young adult who has not had anything like that happen and thinks of themselves still as infallible. Nothing's going to happen to me. And so we live that life of feeling like we can overcome everything until we can't. And that time hits for all of us at different stages. And I think it's unfortunately that place in life where somebody says, there has to be another way. There has to be more than I'm being offered. I've tried. I'm at the end of my rope. Nobody can help me. All of those things, I think, are what then lead us to, so then what? Mm. Yeah. Kind of hitting that delicate balance of like recognizing your mortality, but hopefully not waiting too long. Yes. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that I don't I don't think most of us live like that. Um, You know, it's, it's preventative care, in a way that um, if we lived like that, we would live a different life than we do Mm -hmm. today in so many ways. I mean, you often hear of meditation or HRV and these practices that bring people more internally often come when somebody has had a mental health crisis or experiences depression or anxiety that they find they can't manage, then they adopt these practices. Whereas we know research tells us that meditation is good for all of us. And yet it's a hard thing to embrace until Mm -hmm. something occurs that kind of puts it into our faces in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, that's human nature right there for you. I uh, yeah, I don't know that I would be so into biohacking and health optimization if I hadn't totally crashed at twenty two or whatever. That was the pivotal moment for me, and I think about there's a family member who's seventy three, I think, doesn't eat vegetables, thinks supplements are a bunch of <laughs> fake fake stuff in a jar. And it's just like, I don't really get into the conversation, but he's like, I don't have any health problems and I don't do any of the things that you do. So that, Hey, it's working for you, you know, until you have something that motivates you to seek answers, then I can't, you know, I can't argue with you, but anyways, yeah, (laughs) we're all on our own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Again, can't compare, can't compare as much as we want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for sharing your incredible approach with our audience today. I think we would like to ask one final question. If you can leave our audience with one piece of advice, something they could start doing today to optimize their health or wellness in general. Yeah, I'm going to say to play with that fat fiber protein mantra and just take a look at each thing you eat and ask yourself, does this include fat? Does it include fiber and does it include protein? And if you don't know, that's a good thing to go look up. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's amazing how many yeah. people don't know what a protein is. <laughs> yes. Exactly. How, to, how to spot that on your plate. It's a very yeah. good place to start. Yes. Yes. Can <laughs> you share with our audience where they can find more of you? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. You can always find me at andreanakiyama.com or andreanakiyama in all the places. Um, and that'll lead you back to the training at Functional Nutrition Alliance, which is the company I founded and the school where I teach thousands of practitioners. So all of that can be found from andreanakiyama.com. Awesome. Thank you so yep. much. Thank we will you. Link, we'll link all of that in the show notes so everyone can scroll down and click through to learn more. Yes. Right. So much fun to hang out with you both. Thank you so much. Yes, likewise. We're so appreciative. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.